You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned after it for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. From Luke 12, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. Amen. Welcome. So great to see all of you today. So, so glad to be with you at Happy Daylight Savings. Uh, This is the good one, right? So I'm really excited to begin something brand new with you today for the month of November. And that is, as you can see, our new series. It's called When Richie Met Gracie. And it is a love story, so to speak, of financial proportions. And it's all about what happens... When our stuff and our money and our resources meet Jesus. And here's why I'm not only excited about it, but why I think you should be excited about it. If you've ever thought, you know what, I wish I could have met Jesus in person. I wish I could have been there alive when he walked the earth. I wish he, you know, I would have known what it was like for him to come and talk to me. Uh, even if you've ever thought, and if you, even if you're not a Christian, but if you've ever thought that, I think you're in luck today. Because if you had met him, he most likely would have spoken to you about what we're talking about today, which is your money. And the reason I can say that is the simple fact that if you separate out Jesus' words and teaching by category, the single largest category of anything he ever taught about was our money. So, of course, the moral of the story is be careful what you wish for, right? But we should also note that, uh, that to ignore all of his teaching about this would be, in a way, to ignore all the good that his teaching can bring us. It would be to ignore the good that can happen when his grace meets our riches and our money. And so to help us see all that today, we're going to look at a parable from Jesus, a story that shows us what it looks like when our stuff and our money and our resources either has or hasn't met the grace of God. And one last thing before we get going, uh, if you're not a Christian today uh, and you're here, for sure, welcome. We're so glad you're here. But you are just sort of listening in. You're just sort of eavesdropping into a conversation Jesus is having between him and his people. Uh, But if you are a Christian, let me just say, what we're talking about today is really, really important to get right. 
It's important to get right, so let's try. You ready? Here we go. Don't be nervous. It's going to be good. All right, it's going to be good. Today we're going to see that Jesus is going to show us three things about our money and our stuff and our resources that we should know because he is for us in these things. We're going to see three things. First, we're going to see that money can be a trap. Money is always a test. And finally, money should be a tool. Money should be a tool. Let's, let's go and see here, number one, and see why money can be a trap. What is the trap? I want to set the scene for a moment. We're here in Luke 12, uh, and this account of the life of Jesus uh, in Luke was written by someone named, wait for it, Luke. Yes, Luke. Uh, and Luke was a doctor. He was a Christian in, in the first century, and he, he sat down to write out all the stories, and he interviewed all the people who knew Jesus, and he put it down in an orderly way. Uh, and the, the early Christians loved this account so much that they copied it, and they copied it, and they copied it, and they included it with a number of other writings and letters about the life of Jesus uh, that we now call the New Testament. And so that's why it's here. And here in Luke chapter 12, we see that Jesus is doing more or less what he knew how to do best, which was to teach and to draw a crowd because Jesus was the master storyteller. Jesus was the master teacher. And so with the crowd here almost trampling him, Luke says, Jesus turns and he says this to the crowd, these people wanting to follow him. He said, then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. So Jesus is seizing the moment. He's taking the opportunity to show us all something about our stuff and our money, which is that the love of money, the love of stuff, the love of things can be a trap. He says, watch out, watch out. Now, I actually think this is almost funny. I think this is almost hilarious. You're not agreeing with me. That's okay. Why? Well, Jesus, Jesus taught on all sorts of stuff. Here's what I mean. And Jesus, again, as he's teaching, he never said, watch out for adultery. Watch out for stealing. Watch out for lying. Why? Well, it's because when you're stealing, you know you're stealing. Right? Uh, when you're committing adultery, you know you're committing adultery, right? You never say, you know, who's that? Who are you? How did you get in this bed with me? You know, you never say that. You know when you're stealing, you know when you're in adultery, you know when you're lying, but Jesus says money is different. Watch out. There's a trap buried inside it, and if you don't recognize it, you'll fall in it and fall for it every time. And this is why I was thinking about this. And this is why over my years in ministry, I have never had, I've never had a single person come up to me and say, Morgan, do you know what my fundamental problem in life is? I am a greedy person. No one's ever said that. I've had all sorts of people come and confess all sorts of sins and problems or struggles or addictions, but never, ever one person who said, I am trapped in greed. See, that's how powerful money is. That's how powerful the trap of money is. Most people can't even see it when they're in it. So how do we get trapped? How do we fall in this? Well, one way Jesus says you get trapped, he lists an example here, is if you've been tricked into thinking this. He says if if you're tricked, if you think that life consists in an abundance of possessions. And if you think life consists in how much stuff that you have, if you think that your stuff equals your life or your quality of life equals your quality of stuff, you've been caught, we've been caught in the money trap. 
So how does that play out today? What does that sort of look like for us? And now, again, because no one ever thinks this is them, right? No one ever thinks this is them. Let me try to come around your side door for a moment. I remember the first missions trip I ever took outside the United States, and I went to a, a nation in South America in an impoverished place, and I could, I could literally, I could not believe my eyes when I saw how people were living in this area. And for those of you who have gone on these kind of trips, you know that you always come home with less stuff than you went with. You just do because you have to give it away. And I went down there to play a, a baseball. I was a part of like a baseball missions team group. And I was giving away my old shoes, my old equipment, like ratty batting gloves I didn't want anymore. But all these kids were just taking it like it was like a, like a drop of water in the desert. And then, then, then I ended up giving away my new stuff too because I knew I could always replace it somehow. But they couldn't. And I felt so rich. I was just a college student, but I, and I went, before I went, I didn't feel rich, but after I went, I felt like a multimillionaire, or at least what I think a multimillionaire would feel like. Why? Here's why. Because I saw, more or less, that all of my problems, the vast majority of my problems, compared to a lot of the rest of the world, all my problems were what we call around my house, around the Stevens house, what we call, maybe you call them this too, all my problems we're first world problems. And I know some people don't like that term. I get why. So this morning, we're going to put a new label on it. We're going to call those kind of problems what they really are. We're going to call them rich person problems. Rich person, uh-oh. And, and really, just about, I've seen all of my so-called problems and your so-called problems, more or less, mostly, they're all a version of a rich person problem. Because there are billions of people around the world who would give anything to have the kind of problems that we have. Listen, we know this. We just forget this. We just don't see this. And let me give you a few examples of this. For example, if you are experiencing bad cell phone coverage as you drive through an area and you're getting frustrated because you're trying to send that text and you can't get that like emoji or the GIF or GIF or whatever to attach and you don't have like support from the Avengers now or like cute cat photos to attach to your text and you're frustrated, that is a rich person problem. If you have limited vacation time, that is a rich person problem. Because do you know there are people who can't even imagine what it's like to get paid even though they don't go to work that day? If you can't get those travel dates you want and you you can't use those sky miles to get where you wanted to go, that is a rich person problem. If your flight is delayed, if it's overbooked, if they lose your luggage, that's a problem. But guess what? That's a rich person problem. If your computer is running slow, (laughs) your computer crashes, you see the spinny wheel of death, right? That is a rich person problem. If you're irritated because the guy who's coming to hook up like your, your 500 TV channel satellite deal that you can't even watch all those stat- you couldn't even watch all those in the first place but he says he's going to be there between 8 a.m. and noon but you're irritated by that that is a rich person problem. If you're grumpy because the city doesn't allow you to spray water all over your yard as much as you want And so you cheat, and you water your grass at night when you think no one else is looking. Two things. Number one, Jesus is. (laughs) And number two, that's a rich person problem. Do you know some people would be shocked to come here and see us spraying extra water 
all over the ground. So the next time you come home and you pull up into some brown grass, if that's you, just think to yourself, hey, I've got a rich person problem. If your complaint ever begins with my pool, my membership, only rich people join club, pay to join some kind of a club, right? Your complaint begins with my Instacart delivery, my professor, my curbside order, my software upgrade just announced to the world, I have a rich person problem problem. And really the next time you're tempted to complain about just almost anything in your life, I promise you will feel better. Morgan and Carrie, the Stevens family does. If you will just stop and say, I have a rich person problem. Now, this sort of feels good to think about stuff like that. It does. Why? Well, why can't we remember that? Hmm? Why don't we do that instinctively? Why, although we live in a culture full of opportunity and prosperity compared to many others, do we constantly forget what we do have and focus on what we don't? What's that? I think that is one little word which describes exactly what Jesus is talking about right here. And that word is the word discontentment. Discontentment. We get trapped in discontentment because we think that the quality of our life consists in the quality of our stuff and the abundance of our possessions. And when we think that way and when we live that way, we get trapped. And because, and you should know this, because discontentment is really an appetite. It is. It's an appetite. The more you feed it, just like with your stomach, just like with other appetites, like sex, uh, discontentment for stuff is an appetite. And the more you feed it, the more it grows. And then you decide things that put you in a financial position that you cannot pay for. Think about it. Years ago, some of us, we know this in America, so some, we were okay in that house years ago. But today, we're not okay in that house. And so we worked it all out to get a little bit more house, but now we can't pay for the house. And if you're in a house that you can't pay for, do you feel free? Do you feel trapped? Feel trapped. You got a credit card balance full of consumer debt that you, you can't pay off because you bought stuff that you really, really didn't need and you know it. Do you feel free now? Or do you feel trapped? Yeah, trap. See, discontentment is so, is so dangerous. Wanting more and more stuff is a trap. Jesus says, watch out. Watch out for it. So that's what the trap looks like. The trap looks like it feels like discontentment. How, though, do we know that we're in it? Because if we knew we were in the trap, we wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't you know, we'd try to get out. So how do we know that we are in it? Well, Jesus, number two, he gives us actually a test to take here. So while money can be a trap, it's also always a test. And we're going to see what his test is. What's the test? Well, the test comes at the end of a parable that Jesus teaches. And we'll, we'll get there. We'll get to the test. But let me just set it up first so it communicates what I think Jesus is trying to get across. Let's look at the parable here uh, set up to set up the test. Jesus starts his parable. He says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Now you'll notice right away, Jesus' language is different here because he didn't say, the man did a great job. He didn't say the man worked really hard. He earned everything he had gotten. He made a great decision. No, Jesus says, the ground yielded a great crop. 
The ground gave something to him. The ground gave him a gift. The grace of God through the grace of the ground gave this man what he had. He did not earn it all by himself. It's all been given to him. And yet look what he immediately turns around and calls the gift from the ground. Verse 17. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. So what will he do with what's been freely given to him? He says, then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. All right, well, what's happening? What's happening? Well, here's what's happening. I think that Jesus is showing us what rich people are tempted to do. They are tempted to upgrade. That's what's happening here. And of course, you've only heard about crazy people who do stuff like that, right? Uh, these crazy people, here's what it, upgrading is for just the crazy rich people somewhere else, right? They have something that works just fine. Here's what upgrading is. They have something that works just fine, but these rich people, they're crazy. You've only heard about this, but they take their thing that basically works just fine and they go and they get another one just like it, but it's a little bit newer and it holds a, a little bit more. It's a little bit better. For example, and you've only heard about this, this is something that only crazy rich people do. They will take their car that works just fine and they will drive it to the car dealer and they will take some money with them on their way to the car dealer and they will give their car and give their extra money and drive away in a car that's a little bit newer and pay more every month to drive a newer car. I know it's crazy. Like, who would do that, right? And here's something else. You've, you heard about this. I know. Uh, rich people go into a kitchen. And this kitchen already has countertops, microwave, an oven, a refrigerator. It all works. And they will rip it out. And replace it with countertops, a microwave, an oven, and a refrigerator. I know it's crazy. You've heard of this. You're laughing because you can't believe anybody is that rich. They would do something like that. All right. maybe, you've, maybe you've only heard again about this. Sometimes these crazy rich people go. Uh, and even though they hate lines because rich people hate lines, they complain about lines because they, we, I mean, they want everything right now. But they will go to a mall somewhere and they will stand in line at this place called the Apple Store. And they will pull out their phone that works and they will send, to a, send a message to their friends that says they're excited to stand in a line and give their phone that works plus their extra money to the Apple store so they can get another phone that works. Who are these rich people? Then they give their old phone to their kids, right? I mean, who are their kids going to call? I don't know, but their seven-year-old's got a phone, right? Or, the these rich people, these crazy people, they get, they get excited when their phone breaks because they can get a new one because they had insurance on their phone. I mean, who has the money to have insurance on a phone? I mean, who knows with these rich people? And here's one more. These rich people, they, they stand in front of their closet. They're getting ready to go somewhere. They stand and stare for a while at a closet. It's got like dozens and dozens of things in it. And after a while, they say, what? I don't have anything to wear. These rich people, they're crazy. These rich people have work clothes. They got after work clothes. They got workout clothes. They got work in the yard clothes. And then, but there's nothing, nothing to wear, right? And then I've heard of these really like, crazy, stupid rich people who have like five, six, seven pairs 
of shoes. I mean, how many can you wear at once, right? I mean, who has that many shoes? And it goes on and on. At some point, these crazy people, they, they, like, they compete with the malls because they've got so much stuff. They have sales in their yards to compete with the stores, right? I mean, their garbage disposal, it eats better than like a small nation. And it goes on and on and on. What kind of people have this much stuff? What kind of people constantly upgrade every single thing they have? Rich man goes on to say, he says, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And now here comes the punchline, the whole parable. Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. How will it be? over in a moment. How will it be? Instant regret. How will it be? All gone with nothing left to show. And now Jesus' audience may be like you. You can see what the whole story was all about. The whole story was only really about a test. Uh, The man's crops, the man's gift from the ground, whatever he had, whatever the man got was really a test. And here's the test in the form of a question. Will we be generous towards ourselves only or will we be rich toward God? Now, at this point, you probably want me to relieve some tension here. Let me do what I can without trying to pull Jesus' punch here. Listen, the Bible never condemns wealth. It doesn't. It never condemns wealthy people for being wealthy, nor does it villainize the rich. And that's not my heart today, so we shouldn't do that either. To do that would be to miss the clear blessing God brings upon people in the Bible. Abraham, Job, David, Solomon, many others. And you'll notice here, Jesus does not condemn this man for having money for prospering financially, for having stuff. He doesn't condemn this man for storing up money or for saving money. He's not condemned for being rich. He's being condemned for being bad at being rich, for being bad at being rich. He's being condemned because he was not rich towards God. Why would that be? Because here's the simple, but I think profound truth. God doesn't want your stuff. Come on. He just doesn't want your stuff to get you. God doesn't want your money. I mean, come on. As it's been said, his streets are made of gold like you have nothing for him. He wants to make sure your money doesn't get you. Look at this man in the parable. Does this man possess his stuff? Or does his stuff possess him? He's possessed by it. All he can think about is getting more and more. All he can think about is his own financial future. Is he free or is he trapped? He's trapped. Does he pass or fail the test? He fails. So how can we pass? But number three, it's by seeing, thankfully, that money can be a tool. Can be a tool. And here's what I mean. Jesus said the way to pass this money test is simple. It's to take our money or to take our stuff and use it like a tool to do one thing in particular. Jesus tells us to use our money and our stuff to be, again, rich towards God. So what 
Does that look like you might be surprised? Though there are a number of ways to do this, Jesus, the New Testament talks about elsewhere. Jesus does give us in this context, Luke 12, one direct application in verse 33. Right after this, he says, here's what it looks like to sell your possessions and give to the poor. Now, they didn't have banks as we know it. They didn't have bank accounts as we know it. Their money was in their stuff or in their livestock and like the hundred head of sheep or cattle they had. And to get the money, you had to sell the thing. See, it doesn't work like that for most of us. And so I think what Jesus is saying is, yes, for sure, do this, sell your stuff. But the point is, do what you have to do to get access to what you have. Do what you have to do to get access to what you have. Go to the bank, pull up that app on your phone, check out that account, then be good at being rich by being generous towards God. How? By giving, he says, to the poor. Our money is a tool we can use to be rich toward God by giving to others. And so today, today on this Sunday, first Sunday in November, to escape the money trap, to pass the money test, we are going to practice being good at being rich. We're going to practice it. And I know a lot of us would not consider ourselves rich, and you might not be. And even if you're not, one day you might be. And I hope you are. So let's practice being good at being rich today. And here's how we're going to do it. What if one time a year we could collectively pool our resources and give in a way that impacted an organization in our community in an unforgettable way? What if we gave to something outside the scope of our local church so generously that it maybe even changed the course of that ministry or that nonprofit or organization? What if we raised so much money? For people who were in need in an organization, a nonprofit, that some that at one point over time we even did better than the federal government, and we created jobs for people who work in nonprofits. What if we lived big for one day and just gave it away? Wouldn't that be amazing? The answer is yes. Wouldn't that be fun? The answer is yes. Wouldn't that feel good? Yes. Wouldn't that put hope in your heart that God was doing something in our city? Yes, it would. And so today, this morning, I want to do just that because today, the first Sunday in November at Mosaic is Live Big Sunday. And today I want us to raise, and here's the number, and I'll tell you how we're going to get there, raise at least $40,000 today. For an organization called Casa Marianella. Casa Marianella is a local nonprofit. It works with immigrant and refugee people groups here in Austin. Now, immigrant people groups can be a hot button topic. That's not what this is about today, all right? Casa Marianella, they do two things that are crucial in particular for people in our city that we need them to do and that they do for all of us. On one hand, they help people on their path to citizenship. It's a good thing. Navigate all that red tape. Become citizens. They teach ESL, English skills. They teach job skills to help people who come to the U.S. from wherever to integrate in our culture and to prosper. And on the other hand, they offer shelter for women and children who are victims of domestic violence. It's a big part of what they do. They're well-respected. They're all out in the open. They've been operating in Austin for many years now. And no matter where you're coming from on this whole conversation, I think you could say, because I can say, this group does stuff the right way. Their work keeps women and children from being trafficked. They work on getting people employed. And their work reduces the likelihood that someone who is vulnerable and has nowhere else to go will resort to a life 
that doesn't build up our community. So Casa Maranella sits at the intersection of a tough place in our culture, and they're doing stuff the right way to help people the right way and to make the city a better place for you and for me and for all of us. Highly respected, got a great track record of results, but they are, as you might imagine, they are overwhelmed with need. And that we can't do everything we want for all organizations or even for this one. We can give them a day that they won't forget and make a permanent difference in the lives of those who are in crisis. And honestly, and by the way, if there's one reason that I hope God grows this church, and if there's one reason uh, why I'm grateful he has grown us, it's for this reason. It's so that we grow, so that we are able to give so, so much away and show our city that Jesus is the light of the world and that his church cares and that the city is better when the church of Jesus is there. So here's what I'm asking you to do today. We've got around 1,000 adults or so at Mosaic across our 14 services. I mean four, sorry. Uh, 1,000 adults or so, uh, and with kids and youth, we're about 1,500 people now. But if every adult gave, and here's your asking price today, as always, it is $39.95. $39.95. No inflation, thank you very much. If we all of us just, just gave that every adult, we could raise $40,000 in one day. We've been doing this for a few years. Six years ago, we asked when we started, we asked for $10,000 and we got 15. I think we got a yeah, slide for that. Five years ago, we asked for 15 and we raised 18. Four years ago, we asked for 20. We received 25,000. Three years ago, we asked for 25,000. We received 30,000. Two years ago, we asked for 30. We got 40. Last year, we asked for 35,000 and we received, can you believe it, $65,000. And over the last six years through Live Big Sunday, we have given away more than $200,000 in our local community to pregnancy centers, at-risk moms, to foster care, disaster relief, people come out of jail who need help. And each year we have raised more and more and more money and we just blow people away because they don't know it's coming. We just ask if we can swing by and give them something and make their day. So some of you may be able to give more than $39.95 and that's great. Some of you can only give less, and that's okay. There is no guilt here today, okay? If you could, I know you would. Perhaps in the past you have. In the future, I know that you will. But what I am asking you to do today is to get involved, is to give, is to play. Everybody's off the bench. Today, everybody plays. I'm not asking you to go home and pray about it. (laughs) Nope. I'm just asking you right now to give at least, in a moment, $39.95 per adult towards this. And if you're here, but your spouse isn't because they were sick or they heard this was coming, <laughs> go ahead and give for them, too. They'll thank you for it. You say, well, Morgan, I'm on like, this financial plan. I take this class here. What would Dave Ramsey think? Every year I call Dave Ramsey. He says he is fine with this. He approves this. And so you can give in one of three ways today. Number one, you can give via text message right now. There's, a, there's, the, there's the instructions on the screen. Text that amount uh, to that number right there with that word in the byline. Number two, we'll also have several people with card readers at the tables in the lobby. Yeah, keep that, that information up. People with card readers are going to be at the table in the lobby on the way out. This is going to go super fast. All you got to do is give your name and your amount of the person taking your car. There might be a short line, but that's okay. 
Actually, I hope there's a long line, and that would be really good. Your kids might get a little fussy. It's okay. We're Mosaic. The person behind you in line will offer to watch your kids for you. That's how great they are. And number three, of course, you can give via cash or write a really big check. So that's what I would like you to do today. Even if you just walked in today, even if you said, I am never coming back after they you know, sprung this on me, even if you're somebody's friend, even if you're a parent from downstate, wherever, upstate, wherever, uh, you're someone's parent, third cousin, if you give today, let me tell you, you are not giving to Mosaic. You are giving through Mosaic. For those of you who are suspicious and you think that the church just wants my money, let me tell you, today I do. Today I want a lot. I want a lot of money. Today I want as much as we can possibly give to make a collective impact on a part of the city that's underfunded. And next year we're going to do it again. The next year we're going to do it again. And I want us to be known, as I say all the time, not just for our theology, which we take very seriously, but for our generosity. I don't just want to be known for what we're against. You've got to be against stuff. But I want to be known more for what we're for. And so here is our promise. Not one penny of this stays here. There's no admin fee. There's no overhead head. There's no shipping and handling. Uh, you know, you say, well, you know, this, this is just going to go right to them. You say, well, I already gave. Okay. You say, but there are other needs out there. Yes, there are. You say, I run a nonprofit. I would say, I run a nonprofit too. And there's about like 30 things I can think of that you just amount of money for internally. But this isn't about that. This is about being rich towards God, using our money like a tool to pass the test, escape the trap, and be rich toward God. You say, well, I'll just catch the next one. First of all, if you heard Jesus in the parable, there might not be a next one. And second of all, this is the next one. You said you would catch the last time when you said you would catch the next one. This is your moment to do something great and to be someone great. Again, you're not giving to us. You're just giving through us. And we are going to live big today. When you do that, you just give money away. So when someone asks you, what do you do in church today? You can say, I live big. That's right. We just gave it away. We all gave something small and it added up to something big. Think of what uh, our church can do, the good of what the church can be known for. A church that doesn't give, expecting to get, but just wants to give. So I can't even tell you how excited I am about this. It's going to be great. I can't wait to come back because we're going to give you the total next week and show you what happens. So here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to close. I'd like for you all to stand up on your feet today. Uh, we're not even, there's no music at the end. There's not even going to be like a prayer, no prayer team. We've got one play. We're just going to get in the huddle and call the play and run the play. And it's going to be amazing. So Lord, thank you for our day. Help us to live big in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Go make it happen, church. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.